Hi, Noah. My nephew's coming. You're going to meet him. All right. Come on, Noah. Come in here. Say hi. So he is the sax player for Keep Flying. He's performed at massive shows like South by Southwest. Please welcome John James Ryan Jr. to the podcast. How are you doing today? Brother, thanks for having me. Uh, I was just telling you off camera, but I was feeling a bit slumpish this week. And I woke up yeah. today and I'm feeling real real re revigorated and energized for some reason it's just maybe the sun is out today here in new york it's a little bit warmer uh you could reschedule the podcast i'm yeah. excited to do it took a walk to the post office so i'm feeling i'm feeling a bit a bit up upper today up yeah. you know yeah so we had a few scheduling problems but i really wanted to get this done and now we're finally doing it which i'm happy about and uh hopefully things start looking up for you but just first question to kind of get into it. What was kind of like your first experience with music or how'd you get into it? Um, Rafi, the Christian artist. Are you familiar? I've heard the name. I don't think I've actually heard the I, music. When I was very young. I, my mother used to bring us to like Christian theater shows, seated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to sit with me. And then uh, there was this children's singer-songwriter named Rick Charette from Maine who used to come to our school, elementary through high school. Like he did all the, and he had a whole show with props and gimmicks and he had good songs. And we used to uh, play him here at home also on VHS tapes, he had all like his videos, live performance from like 89 and stuff. Uh, and then, and then Weird Al. Weird Al was like the first like bigger thing that I was being brought to mm-hmm. first by my mom. And then as I got older with friends um, and seeing him in those shows, it was like, oh God, look, there's like people of all ages here. Um, and then that kind of transformed in high school into like punk rock. Um, I, I remember my friend Bill, who I grew up living next to, uh, giving me some CDs of like a couple different bands and like me yeah. sitting with all those CDs and like figuring out which which ones I liked, which ones I didn't like. And he listened to everything. Um, and it kind of grew from there, you know, especially in the punk rock. Like I really fell into that, like Bouncing Souls and, um, well, Poison the Well, but they're not punk rock. Um but they're also punk rock um, in mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, more, more so bands like that and Goldfinger. And then I started hearing bands like Goldfinger with horns and then Real Big Fish. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I like this ska music, punk ska. Then I was hearing Newfound Glory. It's like, oh, I like pop punk saves the day. And it was just like evolving many different mm-hmm. like paths all at the same time. Because when I was a kid, there was a lot of mixed... Mixed bills was a thing that happened often. It's like waves. 
Mm-hmm. There has been eras since I was a kid where there has been return to mixed bills and then all tours that are all the exact same band, like four in a row. And then mixed bill comes back in like 2015. And then it's, I think it's back again. Now I feel like more bands are going out on bills that are mixed and it's cool. You know, yeah. um, it gives you a way to get into other kinds of music. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. that was a bit long of an answer. Well, that's fine. That's Raffy. Fine. Raffy and a children's singer-songwriter named Rick Charette and Weird Al. Those are my three. I'm sticking with them. All right. And so as you were growing up, maybe before, during this kind of, uh, I guess, this discovery of music. I don't want to say discovery of music because obviously you knew of music, but like this newfound passion for music during that or before that, were there any other plans you might have had for life like, all the young kids growing up, they want to be like the athlete, the astronaut, or have you had dreams like that? Or has it kind of been music from the start? Uh, I thought I was going to be a football player for a moment for like two Mm -hmm. years. I did think that. And then I really thought I was going to be a vet. Um, I really always loved animals and fast forward at 20, I went vegan and now I'm 35. So I've been vegan 15 years. So it all, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, I always thought I would work with animals. I used to think I was going to be a vet. Then I thought maybe I'd be an animal behaviorist. Then I thought maybe I would just help with reservation work. I like always thought that. And to be completely honest, I still think that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will always love music. I'm not going to say that my passion is diminished, but I've done it for so long that I have become, especially during COVID, way more curious about other things that might bring me fulfillment like live music does. Mm-hmm. And so... What the future holds, I don't know, but I've been thinking about it. Yeah, so obviously live music is a huge part. What kind of other ways has this pandemic affected the way you make music, especially in like this band setting with multiple people coming together for music? Um, We have learned to write completely um, isolated. Like uh, we, we send the songs, like demos back and forth to each other. Um, and then everybody's been working on stuff. We're working on new music right now and everybody's just working alone at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we do value more than ever the time that we actually get together to jam, to, even just to jam mm-hmm. because we don't ever get to do it anymore. Um, so that's a blessing. Um, and yeah, uh, it really is all isolated work now. I mean, yeah. horn, horn wise, I just jam along to like whatever record. I just pull out a record at random and put it on the record player, and I just play along just to like practice. Um, but when we're writing, like, keep flying horns, I do that pretty much all in the studio. Like, mm-hmm. I come up with a little bit of ideas here and there off the demos, but we often change the songs once we're in the studio and producing mm-hmm. with our friend Nick. Um, so I usually wait till we're there to uh, write the songs in studio once we have the vocals figured out because it's hard to really figure them both out at the same time. Yeah. And so uh, what kind of advice or tips might you give to people just starting to make music, whether as a solo artist or in a band setting? Um, I would say... Even if you don't want to, do what 
if you have fun with it, do what is crystal clear is working, which is going on TikTok and making these little videos, these little clips of you like writing the song, like parts of the song, having people put their own collabs on the song. It's just working. You know, I don't have a TikTok, but I, I now recognize that to not have one, you're a fool. And mm-hmm. especially as an artist, like everyone is on there and every your numbers go, your Spotify numbers go up from it. You know, I would say, I would say, you know, social media is, uh, you know, both a blessing and a curse. But from for artists, you just you got to have to have it. Yeah, um, so. Take advantage of it. Well, as long as your mental health stays with integrity, take advantage of it as much as you can. And what I'm noticing lately, uh, we're back in the era of uh, features. Every, every artist yeah. is doing like features on every track. Like I see some records come out and every single song has a feature. Ten song, every one of them has a feature. And I'm mm. going, oh my God, so many features. But now I'm looking at it going, it works. People care about that. People like that. So maybe that's just what the next thing is, you know, at least for now. Mm-hmm. So I, I do recommend maybe hitting someone up from a band you like or an artist you like that's bigger and see maybe see if they're willing to do a guest vocal spot or something. I don't know. So Why kinda not? having the music industry be like this now and using using social medias to grow your following, having features and singles kind of be like the make or break of your career, do you think that's better or worse than kind of when artists would like take years to come out with like an album or a body of work and put that out, and then it'd be another two or three years until they put out another album. Um, I think that they're uncomparable because we're just in two different ages now. Mm-hmm. I do still think that the old school way will work for some artists of waiting and releasing a full proper record and just pushing on that, especially an artist that hasn't released a record in five plus years. Like, But we've seen that not work too. We've seen bands come back after not putting out a record for 10 years and everyone goes, nah. And after two weeks, it's in the dust. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For an artist, at least you created your 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 work and you're getting it out there because clearly you also want to do it for you. But um, I don't know. I don't think they're comparable. The only thing that I will say is I do think with the way that music industry runs now, the likelihood of newer artists having longer longevity is less. I feel mm-hmm. like there used to be like bands could get away with like 10 year, a 10 year career. And then it like kind of went down to five. And now I'm seeing a lot of artists that are like spiking so quickly that I can't help but think, and I don't want to be negative Nancy or naysayer, mm-hmm. but I can't help but think normally when the spikes are so quick, they can be just as quick coming down. Yeah. And I know that we've seen that even since COVID started. We've seen some artists blow up on TikTok and then who? You yeah, think of their yeah we see control. this kind of spike and then they go down to like a plateau of like a pretty good following and just kind of stay there for the rest of their career. Right, right. Or it even plateaus further down. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there's, it's so much easier to get a quick spike now um, 
especially if you're willing to work and like do like try to come up with ideas and be creative and have fun with it, come up with constant content. But it, I hope that everyone that's you know listening, if they want to create do this kind of musical art, it's because they also want to do it for themselves and have fun with it. Because you know, as long as you can accept that that might might just whoo come on down, yeah, then you're good. Then you're good. You don't have to worry about nothing. You get to say, we don't care. We're having fun with it still, you know? Mm -hmm. I think everyone really is going to need to have a secondary income, no matter who you are. You know, minus the 1% of artists that make enough money to survive. But so as long as you accept that as well, like, then you can really have fun with your art, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times so many artists or bands can find it hard to get that initial kick or that initial push to gain a following and they kind of stay at like very low numbers for a long time whether it's that or any other reason was there ever a moment that like made you reconsider music or made you want to like take a break from music yeah all the time um i had i had it this week this week i thought about it you know it's normal it's normal to think that um I took a break from performing my own music from 2009 until 2016. I didn't, I was, I played in a band for fun a little bit on the side, but I was just working for bands. I didn't care anymore. I was like, ah. What kind of caused that uh, moment? What caused that? Yeah. I was asked to leave my band at the time and I was so confused and hurt and upset about it that I just said, "I, I give up. Mm-hmm. I, I felt too disappointed with myself and with people that I used to really love to um, even consider caring about um, doing doing that again. I, you know, um, but when the opportunity arose to start a band from scratch, which is not something I had done since I was a teenager, mm-hmm. every other band that I had been in beforehand that was touring was bands that I joined that were already established. I was certainly not convinced, but I was swayed at the idea of it. And then we were, I heard the first songs and I said, okay, yeah, I want to record sax on these. This will be cool. And then leaving the studio, I was like, I want to be in. I don't know what it was. I had a long conversation with my family about it because I was 30. Who starts a new punk band that's going to be small at 30? Very few people. But I did miss. I felt like I had missed out on many years of performing my own music. Um, from uh, from like the gap. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's normal to uh, to waver at wanting to do it or not. And also, I think we're also in an age now where you can choose how much you or how little you want to do. Like we see, yeah. so many artists are being so very part time. Like they're 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 not playing many shows, maybe fifty shows a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the internet when they want to be. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, And then artists who maybe still come out with music, but like, other than the release process, they're just completely off the grid, like no socials, no, yep. no press, nothing. And then they'll come out with an album and kind of promote that and do that and then go back into the dark for the next project. Yep, there's plenty of bands like that. I'm sure we both know a few of those. And there's also a lot of these newer artists that are more like... Um, I don't know what you call it. It's not SoundCloud rap, but it's like 
this new TikTok, you know, era of like kind of punk rock. Yeah, and also there a lot of like newer artists are very focused on like singles rather than albums or right. bodies of work. They come. Up, it, it's almost like music's gone like shorter and shorter. We went from like albums to singles, and now artists are just kind of looking for that little fifteen second clip for right. TikToks that are like catchy and will get people playing it. We're on the same page, bro. Now it doesn't. I was just having this conversation about making music videos. Most of these newer artists, I'm I'm checking their TikTok. That'll be 15 seconds of the chorus of the music video. We'll have more views on it than the actual full video on YouTube. Yeah. It's, it, it's where we're at now. You know what I mean? Um, and even even if the music video is getting as many or more views. Like, you could probably look into, like, what parts of the video viewers are watching, and they're probably skipping to that one part, watching it, and then closing the video. Right. Or or it's running in the background, or, you know... So, the, this is a big thing with, like, coming up with budgets for music videos these days. It's like, there used to be an era where you'd want to spend a ton of money, but now it's like, do you want to spend a ton of money or do you on a video, or do you want to come up with a cool concept that's less expensive, but still going to get what you're trying to get. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, man. It's really hard to say which path is the, is the best, best path. They all have success and they all have failure. Um, but yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of those newer artists are, they don't even have to play shows. We're in a new era where these artists like actually are unsigned and doing, millions of plays on Spotify, they're actually making yeah. money. They don't have to play shows. And when they do, sometimes I see, I'll look at, oh, this guy has 35,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, he had, on, on Twitter, uh, um, 500,000 on TikTok and, um, and like 120,000 on Instagram. And then I see that he's playing like a 200 cap room in Washington, D.C. And it's like 140 people there. Yeah. Because you're, you've translated it to the internet, but maybe not necessarily live. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's okay, too. We're in, a, we're in an era now where you don't have to play live. You can be a... Because you, you can make as much money from these platforms and streaming as you can from playing live. And a lot of these labels know that as well. A lot of my friends work at labels, and we have very repeating conversations of, like, it doesn't... The touring for a lot of these bands doesn't really make labels that much money it's really more in their content and their songs and their streaming and their video streaming and things like that where they're making their recoup back so they want to see more of that from artists you know artists getting signed are yes still plenty of artists get signed based off their music but you also have a lot getting signed whose music i'm not going to say is bad but it's certainly not great but yeah. they're working so hard on this content and this that it's hard to, you can't deny that people are watching this. People are listening to this. People think that's funny. People think this. So if it's going to stream in any capacity, don't you want to sign it? You probably want to make your, yeah. your money from it. So, so, so kind of now shifting still on you, but also towards Keep Flying and the group yep. aspect. Just for starters, how did that name Keep Flying come to be? It actually comes from, um, originally, a, a television program called Firefly. It was a one-season 
and then canceled sci-fi show. Um, we never really tell people that because mm-hmm. it kind of transformed into the reason that we hold it now, which is more so the fact that it's just a positive affirmation that like people can just relate to. It's like, just get yourself out of bed, get out the door and, and get on with your day. You've got to keep flying, man. You got to push mm-hmm. forward. You got to stay positive. Like it's more like that kind of thing. But it, yes, it originally does come from the program Firefly. You could choke, check that out. Anyone listening can check it out and see what I'm talking about. Um, it got canceled. They ended up making a movie, um, via Kickstarter, I believe, um, called Serenity, which was the follow-up, which was a very big blockbuster, sci-fi blockbuster. Um, the symbols that we use in our logo, the paper airplane, actually say Serenity, um, and it, it all kind of ties together with that show. It's mm-hmm. a nerdy thing. Uh, we have other references yeah. in songs. Miranda is on our second record. That is the name of a planet. Um mm-hmm. In the show Firefly. So, like, there are other references um, and so on and so forth. But not a lot of people know that mm. because we never really talk about that that um, that reason. More so the positive affirmations reason because, you know, it's easier for someone than, like, huh? What TV show? I don't watch that kind of crap. Yeah. It's like, yep, all good. All good. It's also, it might be found to be a lot more relatable because, like, everyone can relate to this mantra, this positive affirmation, rather than some sci-fi show that not everyone has seen. So. Most people have not seen. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's more, like you said, it's more the mantra. And, and I think that that is the re- what people get take from it often when we hear from, from people who, who love the band or are friends with us. So like, we love the name. Mm-hmm. It's a great name, man. And I like how it looks on everything. Flyers, T-shirts. I like how it looks. It just feels good. It feels like a, feels like a plaque your mom would get at Marshalls that you hang up above the living room, like uh, the little yeah. walk. You know, bless my home is blessed and keep flying. Like it's like a little Marshalls yeah. plaque. I don't know. It makes me feel good inside. So for the band listening, you have a lot of like honest, raw, truthful lyrics, and also a lot of like catchy horns and whatnot when you're coming up with a new song do you kind of have a process of like we'll get the instruments first and then find some lyrics for it lyrics first and make some instrumentals or does it kind of vary song to song horns are always last but bulk lyrics and instrumentals kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. henry writes uh most of the lyrics um and a lot of times he creates like a, like a whole multiple songs of lyrics in his head for like almost like a concept, but they always are really what's happening with him. And also a lot of the rest of the band, we do end up looking at the lyrics and a lot of us end up being like, yeah, I relate to that too, man. Like I, I feel the same way. Or mm-hmm. what if we change this two, these two lines to be more like this, then it will relate to the, these other two guys in the band as well. And he's always open for that which is really nice. Um, and I'm, I'm sure if members of the band are relating to it or want to, or feel the same way, then that's almost clear that when people listen to it, they might feel the same way and they might relate to it. And you'll have an audience of people who like have the same feelings that you guys do. When we play one of our newest songs from survival, 
now called Surviving the Night, it is we all relate so much to the lyrics that it's just undeniable. Even every time we play that song, in my head the whole time, I'm like, I believe everything I'm screaming into the microphone right now. Mm -hmm. Every single word, all of this is true. None of it's a gimmick. It's completely genuine. And it's the whole band. We're all on the same page. We're feeling this way. There are, as you're aware, there are a lot of artists who just get up there and sing things yeah. that not only disingenuine, but just straight up fake. And um, all good to each their own, but like that's just not the way for us, you well, know. And that may work for some people, but we're seeing now a lot of these artists with kind of more emotional, true, like, to themselves lyrics, uh, they're kind of getting a huge platform, and they're the ones gaining a large following because yeah. they're so relatable and authentic. Right. Which I, and I back that. Whether it's a, whether you want to go the political route or everyone that's, you know, you know, um, putting into the world LGBTQ, um, information and just really anything. I, I support all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. I support so, all. And so, uh, kind of for, uh, the band. Yeah, go ahead. All right, keep going. So when making music, do you kind of use a little bit of inspiration from other artists or is it mostly just straight from you guys? No, we, we use, we always talk about like new records that each of us have listened mm -hmm. to and like we play them in the van, like, oh, let's check this out, let's check that out. So, so how do you kind of take those sounds and like put your own style or put your own spin on it to turn it into something for you guys? Yeah, we definitely do that. Mm -hmm. We definitely be like, yo, what if we had a song that sounded like that? But like mm -hmm. KF style, like we make it a little bit more punk, put the horns on it. Yeah. Our song Interstate, which is just like a one minute long hardcore song, is is exactly that idea. We were I don't remember what we were listening to, but Hi Noah. My nephew's coming. You're gonna meet him. All right. Come on, Noah. Come in here. Say hi. Hi. Hey, Noah. Alright. Alright. My favorite nephew. He's hanging out. I didn't know he was coming. Made my whole day. I told you we were on an upper. Yeah. It's just better. Well, and so you as a solo artist or with the band Keep Flying, if there was an artist or a group that you could just you have your pick. Anyone in the world that you would you could make a song with, who would it be? Weird Al. Mm -hmm. And how how do you think like your style would kind of blend with his into like a song? Like how do you think you could make that fit? I think that we could. I mean, Weird Al has played every kind of genre of music, so yeah. I feel like could um, come up with like a punk rock song where he also played some accordion on it and would be told we've had some my friend nick has played accordion with us on stage before mm -hmm. wouldn't be the time and throw some of his vocals it would be my dream to get a feature from weird al keep mm -hmm. flying featuring weird al yankvik would be a viral thing you know yeah it would be viral 
and so and again going back to that kind of virality of features and whatnot. right um so for you you clearly have a lot of experience like playing live music is there any kind of dream venue for you or any like arena stadium theater no matter the size anywhere that you just always wanted to play at or like it's like once you play there you'll be like this is it this is what i've been looking forward to um the two madison square garden Mm -hmm. and red rocks red rocks because it's cool and i've even as as a gig worker i have never done a tour where Mm -hmm. a band was there so i've never i've never been and Madison Square Garden, because I've always lived in New York, it's always been That's like, right. I'm right yeah. here. Madison Square Garden is just like, just one of the most popular, not only music venues, but also just places in the world. Right. And it's also, a Red Rocks, I hear a lot from that question, like people just want to play right. Red Rocks, because the vibe, the atmosphere is so cool to have fans and an artist playing in like a setting like that, and it's just open and very I don't know I don't know what I would describe the atmosphere as but it's clearly like a very unique and one of a kind atmosphere right oh definitely people come from all over the world to see shows there yeah they're like I can see this tour in Philly but I'm gonna fly to there and see it there okay Mm -hmm. you know and so do you have whether they're your own or from other artists do you kind of have like a top three albums of all time or your favorite three albums of all time? The Mighty Mighty Ballstones, Let's Face It. Mm-hmm. Um, Weird Al Yankovic, Running With Scissors. And this is just the three coming in my head right now. Um, top three, man, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard for most like top lists in music just because they're so there's such a large selection to pick from. There's so much happening in the music industry at any given time. Maybe like Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory. Mm-hmm. All right. It's just part of the back. Like, yeah. come on! I was listening to that CD and a CD like. Uh, Walkman, but the CD one on the bus to school all the time. That insane clown posse. That was all I listened to, and uh, at that that era, and man, that that band was just like, oh my god. And then look, they became one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. So there's kind of the last question I have for us here today. Whether it's something you've done solo or with Keep Flying, is there a song that you had a part in that is kind of your favorite? Um, my favorite thing I've done musically. Hmm. I mean, I love well, everything. Yeah, I, I mean, only if you have one, you know. It's hard yeah. to pick because I'm sure for you in specific, like you put so much or you really like care about everything that you have a hand in, and so it's hard to just pick from I, one of those. My favorite thing I ever did, so, uh, Warped 2018, maybe it was, or 17, 16, I don't remember, mm-hmm. 2018, Saves the Day, we're doing a, uh, a different set list every day, 
So everybody that worked the tour that loved the band would feel the need and urgency to go to their set every day because you didn't know what they were going to play. And mm-hmm. our friend was drumming at the time, and he was like, dude, they made me learn 100 songs. Like, we really are playing different sets. And some days they did full records. It was crazy. But on the last day, they did uh, three songs from their newest record at the time and a cover of Hotel California. And I think the song is Get Fucked Up. Um, They looped the bridge and just had people come out and solo. And they let me play sax for like Mm. two minutes. That's awesome. I think for me, like, on the last day of them on the tour, maybe it was the last day of the tour, maybe Denver? I think it was Denver. Um, To be a part of that, that was really special. I remember I just felt really good. And I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of like playing with friends bands where there's no horns for 30 seconds yeah. or bridge part here or there. And it's always been awesome and fun. And I appreciate having that opportunity. Um, right. Yeah. I'd say that was, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Also, the band I worked for, Four Years Strong, whenever they used to let me play sax on one of the old Rise or Die songs, I would always be so happy to be like, this three minutes just made my whole month, you don't understand. Yeah. Story So Far used to let me do it with them when I would be out with them. That was always nice. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, well, those are all the questions I had for you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you or the band online? I don't really use my socials. You can add me if you care, but I don't really use them. I use the band mostly, which mm-hmm. is just everything is keep flying band. Um, that's where you'll find everything. Mm-hmm. YouTube, Spotify, all the social media, keep flying band. You know? I'll have a link to all that down below. And uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. Much love. Sometimes